0: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast.
1: It's Friday, February 28th, the year is 2020, and you are listening to the relevant podcast i'm your host tyler huckabee i'm here in nashville tennessee joining us in our orlando studios back from assignment to contain the coronavirus he we (laughs) we sent him out there i have i haven't heard a a status a a sit rep yet but i but i but i assume (laughs) it was another smashing success from our from our man on the ground (laughs) It's our illustrious producer chandler strang hello meanwhile up there in loveland virginia uh he is is, he's like the rest of us are grateful to have been to have been insulated from the outbreak it's our friend jesse carey hello hello and uh, and we've uh, we're it today, but we've got a good one for you. We've got a uh, we're being joined uh, by uh, a friend of ours. And uh, a little bit, we're gonna bring you Christian Stanfield He's from Passion Music. They have a brand new live album out. It's called Roar. Uh, it's a really super cool story. It was actually uh, this was a Roar as a live album. They weren't planning on releasing this one to the public, but uh, he kind of walks me through the process of how they decided. To do it anyway. They they called an Audible on this one. And uh it's, route, I enjoyed talking route. to him. Looking forward to bringing you that full story. Passion music on the hot route.
0: <laughs> I we, think we, they zigged. They zigged when they thought I they were think gonna think They should have named the album Hot Route. Like I think Hot Route would be a great <laughs> band name, by the way. Anything with hot in the name is cool. Chandler, you uh speaking of hot places, you just returned from Austin, Texas, did you not? Yep. Yep. And the purpose of this mission. Of this visit to Austin, which is a cool city. I mean, you can go there with no plans or intentions, still have a great time. Um, yeah. uh, but you went to go get some fresh ink from yep. some tattoo artists that were in town. So yep. my question to you is, how does how does your Yang Gang 2024
2: <laughs> tattoo how does it come out?
3: It's, uh, it's healing up, doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i saw some cool <laughs> photos on instagram they look they look good yeah, they do thanks. They, they, you they, it looks nice thanks, it looks nice. Um, what, what 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 i'm, I'm
0: jealous explain explain the actual
1: ink you got
0: So Starting with the American flag and ending with a bald eagle with
3: the Declaration of Independence in its beak. Well, I mean, if you are going to get that sort of thing, uh, the best place to go is Texas. Uh, that was that was kind of uh, live favorite. free, live free. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: they don't even need a license. In, in, in Texas tattoo artists don't even need license. They just you know they just pull up a bar. Can you they do they an get, American flag. That you just go to a restaurant. They just meet you in the booth and get to work while you eat. It's it, like I said. They don't even <laughs> have health. It's not
1: a big deal. Steak and eggs, Zenda, and you just hold one arm out while you're shoveling shoveling scrambled eggs and steak down your gullet with the other one. That's the Texas way.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I picture all tattoos take place in like saloons there. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you walk in. Like Chandler, Chandler walks in to get his tattoo, and there's someone like playing one of those old timey pianos, and and and, and like a bunch of rough looking characters engaged in a in a poker game. You know, a couple of people slinked over the bar, and as, as soon as he walks in those saloon doors with his sleeves rolled up to get his tattoo, like the music just stops, and you know chairs creak, and everyone looks back and they see Chandler, and then he leaves and then goes get his tattoo somewhere else. So it was a Good move leaving that <laughs> I've,
1: been, I've been thinking about this for uh, for a while. Have you, Chandler? You you mighta uh, be the. <laughs> the person to ask about this because uh-huh. you've done some traveling for your tattoo work. Yep. I'm starting to to consider the possibility of a cover up. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. into yeah. this. You, you, you know, it's been it's been a few years and uh and I don't think me and Laura are getting back together.
2: No, that's not true. I think that we <laughs> I have I have a uh,
0: Gary Johnson I don't, I don't have, Gary Johnson I, political tattoo <laughs> is not aging well. He
2: he,
1: he, he <laughs> He had some real momentum at the time.
0: (laughs) He was was going up against two of the most unlikely, unlikable candidates in history. He had a shot, but didn't even know what the city of Aleppo was. That's a tattoo.
1: It's a tattoo that I got just last week. Bloomberg paid me (laughs) $3,000. And
2: And it says, uh, it says Mike will get
1: it done. it says
0: Mike will get it done. <laughs> and if, if for some reason, if for some reason, Michael Bloomberg is unable to event. buy the presidency the of the United States, you can you can tell people that that tattoo is referring to a different Mike. That also is very productive
1: <laughs> to, 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 uh, to, to Michael Mike. Huckabee, a man who has always, always got to done. be fair. He gets
0: it done, too. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: No, I got a, uh, one of my, uh, one of my, uh, like an early tattoo. It's, uh, the, the, it's a it's. I just have a tree, like a rootless tree, and the roots are getting a little bit, are getting just a little bit, uh, a little bit out of whack. They just have they just haven't grown super well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm trying. I'm starting to think about what the what a cover up would look like. But I don't even know what goes into that, and if it like what sort of. I, I have no idea what the process behind getting a cover up is, or how elaborate tattoo artists can get with their cover up.
3: I think most. I think most artists can do cover ups. I think it costs more if you get it covered up.
1: Oh, cool!
3: Yeah, good, good. But well, uh, I, economy, think, I think there are cert- maybe certain ones that are that in that sort of thing. Yeah, but-
0: t- t- Tyler, re- sorry, re- re- real quick, explain to me what you want to get covered up. Well, so on my
1: forearm, I have a tattoo of a tree, okay. and you can see I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with, and you this. can see the yeah. exposed roots of the tree at the bottom near my yeah. like wrist. And okay. it's getting getting to the point now. I apologize. I know this is sort of a visual slice, but it's getting to the point now no, where, the, where the roots sort of look like flames, like the tree is like a rocket ship <laughs>
2: blasting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, is this because of how the ink is
0: like settling onto your skin or are you just recognizing the art uh, flaw in the artwork? I'm going to say it's a
1: little bit of both. I'm going to say it's a okay. combination. Uh,
0: Someone... Here's what happened, Tyler. Someone saw the the roots poking through your sleeves. Are like cool flame tattoo, bro. <laughs> right? That's what happened.
1: <laughs> I think it every time. <laughs> But I don't know what to do. I don't know what the alternative is. Like, what what else do trees said at the bottom of them besides roots? There, there's not a whole lot of other directions <laughs> that I could go with it.
3: It's a rocket tree. So, so you
0: so you want the whole... Yeah, you, I, I got an idea. Flames and a rocket ship. And, and just <laughs> Separate, lean into. I'm it. a big
1: SpaceX guy, man. Lean, I think Musk, is, uh, lean into Musk the, is taking us to Mars. You're saying steer into the swerve? <laughs> just like, okay, it's a rocket ship now.
0: Yeah. All of a sudden, you're the guy with a SpaceX tattoo, which it's,
1: I mean, people will probably think
0: you're involved with it. They're like, oh, I mean, this guy's probably got like Tesla money. Um, so, yeah. I mean, why else would he get a SpaceX tattoo if he's not involved in rocketry?
1: You know, well, it's, it could also be a Space Force thing. It could be like, uh, this is my application yeah. to join the armed, the, the armed forces uh, both at home and abroad and very abroad
0: off yeah, of, of the sky.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so
0: T- Tyler, are, so what you? are you It's not it's not the uh, beef with the tree. What is the tree symbol? Like, I mean, I, I could probably uh, assume, but is the tree up? Because um, you have other tattoos. I do, and most of them are are referencing some,
1: uh, some you know artifact. Of I don't, pop I don't culture. just get it just to get them. There's always a little yeah. something going on. And this one was actually this one this this tree was actually it came from my me, uh, me without you album cover. It's from the brothers. So Sister, okay. Yeah, oh great. Album. Maybe. Hey, didn't you recently talk to Aaron Weiss? I did. I had a conversation with Aaron. I had a
0: couple conversations with Aaron. Has he, did you ask him about this? He's the lead singer <laughs> of Me Without You. I, I,
1: that that's not something you do. You know, you can't do that. You can't like <laughs> tell these guys like because I'm I'm interviewing him in a professional capacity, and as soon as you start sounding, it's always especially when you really like the person you're talking to, which I, I really do like Me Without You. As soon as you start fanboying, I feel like you lose the plot right away. You yeah, like yeah. something changes in the conversation and, and it feels like a very different sort of interview than it was. So I did not bring up the fact that I have a tattoo that was inspired by one of his albums. Although I guess cats out of the bag now, if he's listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me ask this. Do you, are you considering to like, because I agree. If you're just doing the roots I mean, the only option is a giant... Chandler, you'll know what this is. You're, in, you're, in, you're into plant stuff. It's yeah. just if he does a giant root ball at the bottom. <laughs> As if someone had, had, had pulled the tree out of the earth, but had the intention of repotting it somewhere. <laughs> like a big
3: root. So you could do root ball. So a root bound, like uh-huh. potted tree i guess is that what you're saying
1: like a potted yeah like a potted oak
3: yeah yeah Yeah. so
1: so the
0: options are either rocket ship (laughs) root ball (laughs) tree gorgeous gorgeous tree with giant root ball or, (laughs) or just a gigantic portrait that will cover your entire forearm right yeah like cover the whole entire the whole entire situation. And people would be like, people are like, hey, what does it mean? And you're like, well, you know, I just, faith is a journey upward <laughs> into the stuff. a rocket. And
1: yeah. uh, you're like, listen, it was either this or a big root ball. Okay. Start with a rocket.
0: Who cares what it
2: means?
1: A root ball wouldn't have been any better. Well, Jen, I didn't mean to hijack your, tattoo scene, your, oh, your tattoos because your your tattoos do look very good, and oh, I hope they're, uh, I trust they're healing up nicely. Well, well oh, and,
0: and Tyler, yeah. unlike you, you know, because Tyler, I think you use the words, I don't just get them. Like yours, yours have <laughs> intricate literary references and meanings behind them. Chandler, well, you on the other I'm hand, not
1: intricate. One of them's. A- Captain America. (laughs) You you do kind of tosser or anything.
0: Chandler, you you, Well, I mean, you have like uh, Lewis, C.S. Lewis tattoos, right? I do. That's true. So Chandler, uh, unlike Tyler, I think it's fair to say you do just get them, right? Because I talked (laughs) to you before you left for the trip. I said, what are you getting? And your response was, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tell us real quick,
3: your process for selecting a tattoo. It's, it's artist based. So I go to an artist that I like, that I like their style and I like the things that they make. And I'm, I'm, I'm more focused on what they want to tattoo rather than having a, you know, an idea with the backstory in advance. Yeah. You just, it's it's more like an art collection thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What if, what if they're like, Hey man, this is what I, (laughs) this is what I feel like expressing. And it's something that you would not want on your body forever. Would you, (laughs) would you avoid the awkwardness of telling him that you don't like his art or uh-huh. would you just be like, "Well, this is an awkward situation, and the only way to get out of it is to get that Tasmanian devil tattoo." <laughs> uh,
3: if it looks if it looks good, then sure, I'd get Tasmanian devil. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Okay, well, congrats. On if there was it.
1: one, if there was one for you guys, if there was one pop culture, we'll say oeuvre, Like you can't get specific with it; it has uh-huh. to be like, like. Uh, Walt Disney Animation, or, uh, or or Looney Tunes, or or uh, 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 Warner Brothers—like it has to be big. And you can uh-huh. just go to the tattoo artist and you say, "I want you to pick something from blank." What do you go with? What's the safest bet?
3: I think Space Jam is the.
0: It's weird you say that, dude. Uh, I, was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say, say Space, Space Jam too because the Space Jam was on TV the other night. It's actually, I, I Tyler, we're putting together we're, we're, like, I was watching Space Jam on TV the other night, and Tyler, mm. we're, we're, you and I are working on a, a listicle that'll be up maybe even uh, today when people listen to this about the new things coming to Netflix in March. Well, you know, we do this every month. Oh, uh, right, sure. And Space Jam is coming to March. So I feel like oh, a new generation is, is, is on the cusp of discovering Space Jam. And yeah, having, having like a funny Bill Murray playing basketball tattoo, I could live with that. I could <laughs> yeah, do that. Me, <laughs> too, big,
1: me too. A big, a big chess piece
0: of, you That's know
1: of interesting because we keep hearing rumors of Space Jam 2 allegedly starring LeBron, like mm-hmm, every yeah. now and then when, when we're like combing Jesse and Eric coming for pop culture slices, I see another piece of news about how LeBron's on board and they, yeah, they've KD, got the Looney Tunes yeah. gang is ready to, to line up and start doing that. But what, the last thing I heard, and I started thinking about this a little bit, last thing I heard is they're having tr- LeBron's having trouble getting some of his colleagues in the NBA because uh, per the original Space Jam movie, there needs to be, can't you can't just get Michael. You've got to get. It. Yeah, and, uh, uh, I forget yeah. Who, uh, who the rest of the Mount Stars were, but they had a, a pretty decent uh, the Toon Squad, decent lineup. Yeah, the Toon Squad. squad. Muggsy yeah. Bugs. Yeah, and Muggsy was in it. Yeah, I can't remember um, everybody who was it, in this. It's been a while. So so what?
0: So why why is he having trouble recruiting his fellow so NBA stars?
1: Sh- here's my theory. Here's okay, my because I have one too about I have one it. Two. Okay, my theory is is because the entire movie sort of hinges on. Michael Jordan by himself being superior to an yeah. entire other team of NBA players. So if he's going to I mean I don't know who would be next, Steph um KD uh yeah.
0: Anthony Davis, you know.
1: What what LeBron is basically <laughs> yeah. trying to say is I need you guys to 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 be to prove that you are collectively inferior to me before the entire world and to be humiliated by a bunch of cartoon well, I mean, characters. I mean, but that's assuming that's
0: assuming it's like a, a straight up remake, not a sequel. right? That is, yeah, that's, that is the assumption. I See, I have a I have a more depressing theory uh, oh, no. because my theory is this, like, I think for a certain generation, Space Jam was very cool, right? And it like mm-hmm. we a, a, and for a certain generation, remember seeing it in the in the theater I I I would say about forty percent of my friends growing up had a Space Jam poster in their room at some point. You <laughs> sure, know, like sure. I can still picture a couple, like a poster of like Michael Jordan flying through outer space dunking it. That was in a lot, like the the, the posters that were in a lot of my friends' rooms in that era. Like they, they were just they were like Bo Jackson with like football pads and a baseball bat in black and white. Like it, it, you know, it, it, there there were just certain posters showed up. So like Space Jam was part of like this cultural awareness and lebron is i think lebron is about 35 years old 35 or 36 right so he he, that puts him in the prime spot to have seen that movie at the most formative point in his childhood to to lebron for sure someone in his mid-30s space jam was a very cool and very important movie a lot of the other guys in the NBA right now who are are the big names, you know, Luka Donich, um, yeah, Ben Simmons, um, Joel Embiid, you know, a, a Zion, like a lot of the guys that you would say, OK, these need to these NBA players need to be in the movie for it to work because these are sort of like the young generation of superstars. Sure. A lot of those guys are I mean, Zion is 19 you know, yeah, like i going to have a lot J- of to the Space is Jam probably 23, the Space you know, Jam franchise uh-huh. L- Luka Donich. I think he's still a teenager, you know, so like a lot of these guys probably, you know, Space Jam might as well be like a Turner movie classic, you know, like I think mm. it wasn't a big deal to them. I think it's the generational divide that <laughs> is is making some of these young guys not
1: all that enthused because my like I could was, see that I could see that. But, but I do have an alternative. I have a solution. Okay. I think this is an easy well, fix.
0: Ca- because it was on the other night. And my, my son's only you know, six. But he, didn't, he had no mm-hmm. idea who Bugs Bunny was. Like, sure, I don't sure. even know if people That's today... I don't, I don't even know if a lot of people even know Looney Tunes anymore. I can't even remember the last the time I've, I've seen Looney Tunes in the wild. I, I can't even remember. And we can fix that.
1: Okay. We can fix that. And here's the simple solution. Call up Phil Vischer. You get Big Idea on board. And instead of the Looney Tunes... <laughs> The Veggie tale cast is our is our new is our new avenue veggie our new jam for this veggie jam. Uh, the Veggie Veggie Jam Lebron gets sucked <laughs> into the Veggie Cinematic Universe and then you got Bob and Larry and the rest of the. Those are, there's more. I think there's an asparagus of some kind, and uh, and those are the one. The kids love the Veggie Tales. I think yeah. they just did a re, they they just re-upped them. And in addition, uh, now you get you can get Steph Curry's production company involved because I know he's trying he's to do some stuff. more family friendly faith based stuff. This is an obvious. one. You bring out the Christian the the Christian slash sports demo is basically the entire D of America. That's, that, that's a Venn diagram. That's a circle. Well, listen, and
0: and there's a bonus because if for some reason, Veggie Jam fails to make its money back at the box office, you have a great name for a vegan preserves company. I'll have a slice of toast with some Veggie Jam on it. <laughs> the marketing time take care of themselves. Lie, it sounds disgusting. <laughs> veggie gross. Jam sounds yeah. absolutely yeah. repulsive. <laughs> but if you've bought the name, you might as well roll the dice on you it. Make because, it back, so yeah, not. yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right well we got a lot to get to today we're talking to christian stanfield down the road we've already covered the tattoos stay with us when we come back we're doing the hotless.
4: you need a season your chicken we ain't like them folks in here sometimes you fight with the bible sometimes it's carrying a shell this family kicking a bell. i celebrate because i'm well i thank the lord because it's sunny and i wish enemies well i love that so cool
3: You're
1: listening to Soul Food E. Abodo by Princess Nokia. Beginning of the podcast, you heard New Low by Sarah Harmer. Today's podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp online counseling is there for you. Now you can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. Get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Licensed professional counselors are available who are specialized in depression, anxiety, sleep issues, grief, family issues, and more. BetterHelp has 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states. And of course, if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time and everything you share is confidential. Best of all, this is a truly affordable option. The Relevant podcast listeners get 10% off their first month with discount code RELEVANT. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com RELEVANT. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's BetterHelp.com RELEVANT. Okay, it is time for our weekly look back at our favorite news stories that came across our desk this week. It's time for...
2: It's
1: Number five this week. <laughs> uh, this, this was. This is an
0: Tyler, interesting story. Th- this, this is if there's ever if we've ever done a piece of content on this show that is literally perfect for you. Like it checks. It's a cross section. Of, of my
1: fields of expertise. Yeah,
0: it it it, it, it checks the, the 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 significant boxes in your life that don't involve uh, uh tattoos with. Literary (laughs) references or turn into uh, poorly drawn rocket ships. This is it. This is the
1: item. All right. So number five this week, and this is a a daisy fresh story. But I was reminded of it this week, and it was fun to to uh, uh, redo a little bit of research on. Amy Grant's dust-up with Marvel Comics got renewed attention this week. I need to give credit to a, a Twitter user. Uh, Wesley Wilcox was the one who reminded me of this this week uh, over Twitter. Thanks, Wes. Uh, so in a nearly forgotten piece of comic book slash CCM history, there's not that many of those stories, <laughs> but in a nearly forgotten one, in one of the what, three or so, uh, Marvel got in trouble for using Amy Grant's likeness as Doctor Strange's love interest. The year was 1990. This was long before Marvel became the, the movie studio that it is today. And Doctor Strange was sort of a B-level character, C-level character, maybe, at the time. Uh, didn't have any movies, and, and Benedict Cumberbatch was was pretty young himself. At the time... Uh, A Marvel artist named Jackson Gweiss was drawing Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, along with writer duo Roy and Dan Thomas. In this particular story, Doctor Strange was tangling with some sort of vampire club, I think. And an ex-girlfriend of his with the name Morgana Blessing got involved. Morgana Blessing. Morgana Blessing. (laughs) What a name. name. classic, Classic name uh now for the cover of this comic Guice used amy grant as a model for mogana in fact he used the cover of her greatest hits album the collection from <laughs> 1986 and uh, if you see the two of them side by side we got them posted irrelevant you can definitely say it's it's not subtle it's no, very much no, like, it's, it's very it's, obviously just yeah. a picture that was drawn from the cover of the collection um uh, And even if you go into the interior panels, they they don't use any album covers inside the comic. But you can definitely see that Amy Grant was the model for for Morgana Blessing. Now, this isn't actually that unusual. Comic book artists often use other photos and models and other comics as inspirations. uh, But Grant's management team got wind and they weren't happy. Mike Blanton and Dan Harrell contacted Marvel To warn them of an impending complaint, they were concerned. uh, They they didn't actually even have the copyright to the photo. They were concerned about (laughs) the mystical overtones of Dr. Strange's adventures, which they said ran contrary to Grant's wholesome image. They were concerned that it would look like Grant was condoning Dr. Strange's magical hijinks. And uh, the complaint itself said, quote... Many fans of Christian music consider interest in witchcraft and the occult to be antithetical to their Christian beliefs and to the message of Christian music in general. Therefore, an association of Amy Grant or her likeness with Doctor Strange is likely to cause irreparable injury to Grant's reputation and goodwill. The case was settled out of court, and while the issue is still digitally available on Marvel's website, the image of Morgana is obscured from the cover. All right.
0: Uh, okay. So, all, all this is interesting, and but here's my question. Do you think deep down, Amy Grant now you know, regrets this a little because oh, it would have been very cool yeah. for her to be Dr. Strange's love interest or, or former love or just a character in the MCU. Because, you know, if Morgana has shows up in one of the movies,
1: but she may she may very well. There's, I mean they're digging pretty the deep down. They're on yeah, movie yeah.
0: like 35, <laughs> you know, like they're really I mean Ant-Man has two movies. It's not yeah. it's not a total stretch to think Morgana Blessing could could show up. Uh you know, they they really are are digging deep for these characters. You know, it, it would Amy Grant could have been in the MCU, you
1: know? She could have been yeah, it could have been a real it could have been and if nothing else how cool would it be to, you know, she, for her to be like one those movies, like there, there's a lot of cross promotion there. Amy Grant could get out ahead of the next Doctor Strange movie and be, and, you know, but now, now, yeah, sour grapes. And I think what's also weird about this is this happened in 1990 and the idea of Amy Grant having irreparable harm done to her wholesome image. She was doing that on her own by crossing over to the belly of the
2: beast, the mainstream (laughs) pop music situation. I heard her
0: on my local 94.9, the point today's hits. What was she doing on there if she cared about about a Christian? Irreparable
1: harm. Irreparable harm (laughs) is when you show up on Billboard, is when Casey Kasem mentions baby, baby. Irreparable (laughs) harm. You saying baby, baby,
0: you put my heart in motion. Not even Solomon would have written something so salacious
1: as a heart in motion. (laughs) <laughs> and how?
2: And how?
4: Like,
1: <laughs> what, what do you think they do at the at the Marvel Comics offices when they get a complaint like that? Somebody saying you can't do, it, and they're like, "Oh, my, they're like, are, are you serious about this?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just it's kind of such an eye roll moment where where uh something that seems like some kind of a uh, like, of course, of course, somebody's mad about this thing. The one time we use, the one time we use Amy Grant. One
0: time we put a Christian singer in a comic book about witchcraft the one time. And they had all been out of shape about it. <laughs> well, what could I, have been? I, I would it see? Okay. Listen, it's not too late to, to, to write this wrong. I would see yeah. Amy Grant in the next Dr. Strange film. Cast Caster, make, you know, Get let's her in the movie. some revisionist this is, this history is, here.
1: Let bygones be bygones. She, it's already, it's already the case in my head. Canon. You know, I'm a, uh, yeah, up here, up, up in the old noggin, True. Amy Grant is a love interest. Just make it, just make it real.
2: Tyler, could it
0: be this is, Chandler, this is not an exaggeration. If you had to list Tyler's top 10 greatest heroes, there would, the list would be real life people and fictional <laughs> and both Dr. Strange and Amy Grant would be on that list. So this is very cool for him.
1: This is extremely
0: cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Doctor Strange didn't even make my marble <laughs> tattoo. So
2: I don't know that that holds up. And I, I don't
1: know. have an Indie Grand tattoo yet, but maybe she could be at the bottom of the tree. Maybe she yeah. could be like holding it on her back like it's Yeah, brilliant. like Atlas. I'll work on that. Atlas. I'll work on that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'll work on it. Uh, okay. Number four this week. Maybe so we she should uh, just be the cover of that
0: comic as just like, hey, remember this? Oh, that's a yeah. good idea. Like a wraparound yeah. for the yeah. sleep yeah, or something you go. like that. There
1: yeah, you. yeah. I guess we could do that. Although I might, I might get a, <laughs> might get a complaint. I don't want to get, I don't want to get the suits over there. Yeah, if, 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 listen, if to, Amy Grant is,
0: is worried about the association with a character who has some mystical undertones, she's definitely not going to be like being on the arm of Tyler Huckabee. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's what, what can we, we do about that complaint. Yeah. Is she going to pay for that's the cover up? Yeah. Worry, that's so. an association that's gonna, you know, <laughs> irreparable. Number damage. four this
1: week, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg explained what he's giving up for Lent. So, Uh, Lent began on uh, on Ash Wednesday this week, and like millions of people all over the the world, Mark Wahlberg began his observation, and instead of giving up things for Lent, he actually says he plans on doing more. Uh, Here is a clip of Mark Wahlberg explaining his Lenten plans.
4: People always ask, what are you going to give up for Lent? And I think more importantly, let's try to do more, more love, more peace, more acceptance, more caring, and more kindness. Have a beautiful Lenten season. God bless you all. I'll see you on Easter. Love you.
1: And I saw actually this, uh, his Mark Wahlberg's famous schedule got a lot of attention. This is starting getting <laughs> yeah. passed around on the internet again. Yeah. Uh, that's something that we asked some expertise in. R- Wahlberg spoke to Relevant last year and explained that he does indeed get up at 2.30 every morning to spend time in prayer. He said, quote, there are so many things that I think about that I pray about, those that are less fortunate, those that don't have God in their life and all the responsibilities that I have as a husband, as a father. There are a lot of things that I need help and guidance on. I can lock in on what's important and what I need to focus on and then especially express my gratitude. Ty- Tyler, I, I know
0: this, this, is of, <laughs> th- this is sort of, this is sort of, you know, break some professional coda, among uh, mm-hmm. uh, journalists, particularly journalists who do a lot of profiles and things, but I want you know to talk about uh, behind the scenes about the the personalities of the the subjects, right? Like a good profile should communicate yeah. e- everything you want to know, but I always try to, yeah, within but, within reason, yeah. But 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 let me just ask this. Uh, rank the intensity because people can hear in that clip of, of Mark Wahlberg uh-huh. talking. He's not shouting, but he's not not shouting. right? Like, Nate, his eyes are shouting yeah,
1: <laughs> in a way that his volume is not. Yeah. His, his eyes
0: and the arms and, and the veins in his biceps are shouting at you, no matter what he's saying in his Boston accent. But tell me how the uh, rank the of all the interviews he's done, where does he rank in terms of
1: intense people you've talked to. You know, he would not rank high and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because he sounded like a guy who got up at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> he was Exactly. Like, <laughs> it was already like, I, I respect his commitment to this and I, but, but if I thought he was exaggerating when I heard about his schedule, when I saw mm-hmm. the Instagram, if I thought that maybe he was kind of like stretching the truth a little bit. I was, I was corrected of that assumption during our interview because I remember very clearly he sounded like it was like two in the afternoon and he sounded like he was dragging himself. To, well, to, l- like l- listen, yeah. if and it was, I don't think it was my lack of scintillating conversation. Yeah, I think well, he was tired. well, here's the thing. If it was two o'clock in the
0: afternoon, if I'm remembering his viral schedule well enough, that means he has already been up for approximately 17 hours, played <laughs> golf three times, spent four hours in a cryogenic chamber. And prayed for two hours and then had dinner with his kids. And it was only two in the afternoon. So I get why he's tired. But uh but anyway, it's cool. <laughs> it is cool to see it, it's him. cool what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to see him like in in, in. Well, seriously, it's, it's cool that he's so open about uh, his faith, and especially in recent years, you know, um, a, yeah. and how he has this kind of like Hollywood persona as sort of this, you know, tough guy, action movie dude, very irreverent. Dude. And, you know, his sort of off screen persona more and more seems to be, uh, you know, based on faith based on values, based on his his family and based on charity work. So it is cool to see. Good for good for Mark Wahlberg. Good yeah. for Marky Mark.
1: But I'll tell you I'll tell you what was intense about Mark Wahlberg. It, it, on the video itself, the cross that he got, I don't know if, I don't know if the celebs can afford uh, like a more intense like a cross, doubled, but that like, was like a Kylie, that was like a Kylie Jenner swatch. That was like a, you could, it was not a, it was very clear. It looked like black paint. I don't know what, the sort what they were I don't know have, what they, ash, what the they burned for that. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It was like a, you, like two marks like ka-chunk, ka-chunk across yeah. his forehead. Yeah. That priest really went for it. Yeah. Well, must I, be some YouTube clip. Mark Wahlberg does not
0: take half measures. What if Mark Wahlberg is doing something? He's going all the way, including if he's like, "I'm going to get up early today." That means he's getting up uh, uh, at 11:30 p.m. That's when his day started. He's, he's not know? going to bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> all right, number three this week, YouTuber's Rhett and Link opened up about their own faith deconstruction process. So. Renton Link's YouTube channel, which hosts their daily show Good Mythical Morning, boasts more than 16 million subscribers. They're regulars on The Tonight Show, but before they moved to LA and became TV and internet stars, they worked at the student ministry crew. This week, they sat down with fellow YouTuber Philip DeFranco to talk about their own deconstruction and what it was like publicly wrestling with
5: doubt. Here is a clip. I know what people are going to think. They're going to think that you guys moved to Los Angeles and you lost your faith. Big, yeah, big surprise. Happens all the time. Tried to be very clear about the fact that this process had started and almost completely finished when I was in North Carolina. Still completely embedded in a Christian community. Still leading a Bible study at my church. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, And still the deconstruction had basically happened so kind of made that clear but that it d- doesn't really matter because we're still getting lots of people saying that and so you kind of just like you know i think a lot of a lot of the comments and i remember this feeling this way or kind of now looking back in retrospect to the way that we treated people who sort of deconstructed or left the faith what we had to say to them was a lot more about our own fear and our own insecurity um in fact i haven't even told you this story but we we've got a good friend who had sort of a public deconstruction and somebody wrote one of these sort of like Christian hit pieces on, on him to kind of basically try to find where he went wrong and what was wrong with his motivations and his process and his heart that led him to this place. And then after the article came out, he got a direct message from the dude who wrote the article. who was basically like, Hey man, I'm actually a big fan of yours. And I don't believe this anymore either. What? But wow. he, he, wrote, he wrote the hit piece? <laughs> yes. And so it, it, it's, and, and, and you know what? That, it, it's not that surprising is... at all. It's not surprising at all because in so many of the critical, sort of dismissive and judgmental responses that I see, I can actually see my former self in those struggling and trying to talk to myself to try to justify where I'm at. Okay, so a lot to unpack there, right? For sure. Um,
0: by the way, I I do have a hunch who he's talking about there, but I'm not gonna do I'm you? not gonna yeah. openly speculate. But but I have a I pretty can, I
1: kind of have a hunch. too. I, 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 We're probably all thinking the I, same. I'm person. almost
0: certain uh, I know who it is, but uh, that's not important. If 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 he wanted to reveal that person's name, he he would have. So right. um, but you know I. The the moment we're in right now where people are having a lot of very public conversations about deconstruction, uh, you know, like basically kind of deconstruction, deconstructing the faith and value systems that they grew up with, often kind of looking at what they taught and some of the values mm-hmm. that they talk, it, it, mm-hmm. were taught. Very critically, and trying to understand what they now believe is a process that I mean that's a pretty fair summation of what de- of how you would define deconstruction, right, Tyler? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, we've we've kind of had this moment where a lot of people have been publicly talking about their own deconstruction and, and what they no longer believe about their upbringings. This is. Especially prominent in evangelical culture right now. So I'm not I'm not saying that deconstruction doesn't happen among people who kind of grew up in mainline denominations. It certainly does. But I think right now it's sort of this trend in evangelicalism to the point where we saw it, you know, we saw it earlier this year with Joshua Harris who, you know, famously was a, he was a pastor, but most famously wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. He actually, you know, not only <clears throat> has been going through years long deconstruction, you know, I, I don't think, I, I, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but I don't think he no any longer considers himself a Christian, um, or at least it doesn't adhere to the modern Kind of understanding of of what a Christian believes, and, you know. He made it pretty clear he wouldn't use that language. Yeah, there was also, you know, a prominent uh, uh, a worship leader. I'm now I, I can't remember who he used to write. So it might have been. I think it was Marty Sampson who used to write songs for Hillsong. I think you, right. you know, publicly posted a lot of his doubts about faith. So there's all these big examples of people kind of walking through their deconstruction process in a very public way, and. The 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 point the underlying point that uh, Rhett and Link are making in this interview in this clip, even though I think, obviously. You know, we are Christians and 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 we maintain, you know, I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but, you know, a somewhat orthodox view of the gospel. I'm sure all of us have had pretty radical evolutions from what our faith uh, looked like as children to what it looked like now. But, you know, I'm not saying that. Losing your faith is good, but I I do think their underlying point is a positive one, which is it's better to talk openly about this stuff than to feel like you can't talk about it. And then secretly behind the scenes, harbor your own doubts and and harbor your own questions, but... Always be too afraid to ask because you'd be concerned about what kind of judgment you'd receive. I think it's better to talk about things than to hide it and and secretly harbor fear of what the results of actually communicating those questions and doubt would be. Tyler, do you agree with me there?
1: Uh, Of course, too. And I think they're highlighting at a at a different problem, and we're all and and this is one that that uh. (laughs) It's kind of hard for us to talk about a little bit, but I, but it's but it's important to get through it. I think when you start talking about things like what well, Rhett and Link are here, what some of these other individuals that you mentioned, Jesse's examples are, when these people who have doubts are going through some sort of deconstruction process, which I think can often be very healthy, and, and I think we've all gone through versions of it ourselves on this podcast... When that is when you are in vocational ministry, it gets so much more complicated because then you're having to choose these people. I feel like and in many cases correctly, so they have to choose between being honest about some of their spiritual questions and the ways they feel like God might be taking their spiritual life and sometimes a job, putting food on the table, health insurance. You know, these are real issues that people have. I remember speaking with, uh, with uh, the writer of The Shack, William Paul Young. Yeah. And he says that he thinks the most uh, powerful hermeneutic in America is job security, mm. because even if you have your, your interpretation of the Bible, when you get into places of vocational ministry, it is so dependent, both whether from a board or from people who are buying your stuff or from a, a consumer base. They have such strong ideas about what they want from you, which isn't—that's not bad, right? That's what you, they signed you up for. That's why yeah. they hired you. That's yeah. why they buy your stuff. It's not—I'm not saying this is t- this is malicious on their part, but it does create some really complicated moral quandaries for these people, and and I don't know what the answer is there. I, I don't. I don't yeah. know that we have a good one. Yeah, I
0: mean, you hear you hear a lot of these stories of someone saying, you know. I was a pastor and I was preaching every Sunday, but I didn't know deep down if I still believed in God. All the time, and they have no one to talk to. And what happens Mm -hmm. is, you know, people can't live in that sort of cognitive dissidence forever. You know, and 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 the ways that that often comes to a head is a lot of times unhealthy, where instead of just feeling like it's safe to engage doubt because doubt, you know, I I don't think is a bad thing. You know, Jesus welcomed questions. He often forced people to question their own beliefs and values. Like that was often, you know, who do you say I am? You know, like Mm -hmm. he, he was totally comfortable with people going through some degree of self analysis, you know, Uh, like that was an important part of his way of teaching. And when that's completely discouraged or you're financially incentivized not to even address those things, it can create a huge problem, and I think it has created a huge problem. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I don't know what the what the solution is there, other than for these people who are in, for for pastors, ministers, missionary people who are in this uh, to have people outside of your profession who are not uh, in your in your congregations, who are not your your bosses or your 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 professional colleagues that you can safely go to, to talk about these things with, because I think what's going to happen, like you alluded to Jesse is these doubts, uh, uh, unprocessed undiscussed unexplored doubt is just going to breed and become something that's maybe not as healthy uh, yeah. thats maybe it's maybe less good and and uh, and can end up uh, toxifying the entire belief system in ways that you don't really intend it to uh, and that, that won't be honest or true to the experience of doubt yeah and and, and the, the other side of it too
0: is if like if churches and leaders discourage a sort of deconstruction process for people, I don't know how healthy they can expect a reconstruction to be. And what I mean by that is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the next, I think Tyler, you, you actually, uh, I was a couple of years ago, you had an interesting conversation with Richard Rohr about this, which was, I know we published did. and yeah, w- remind me again, what are the stages that he kind of says that a lot of people should go through w- 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 in the context of deconstruction?
1: Yeah. Well, he says after the construction process comes obviously the deconstruction process And, uh, and then a lot of people stop there. Yeah. (laughs) Those are the only thing that ever happens to him. And he noted that, that people who are, who tend to be more conservative, get stuck in the construction process and people who are more liberal tend to get stuck in the deconstruction process. But there's more, uh, that hopefully, hopefully, ideally you move on to a reconstruction process where you're putting things back together and you're, you're sifting through the things that were handed to you. Some of the new information you've picked up and building something new, and then, and then there is a, uh, eventually what at the time, and I think he sort of changed a little bit about his, uh, verbiage around this since then, but at the time there was what was called the, uh, the integration process where a lot of the, cause during reconstruction, uh, what tends to happen is you find a lot of yourself believing a lot of things that don't seem like they can both be true at the same time. They, yeah. they're held in a lot of tension with a each lot of other. Paradox Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance when you're reconstructing. Uh, But then eventually, and this is only I think you have to live to be pretty old and be pretty rigorous about this process to get to this point where you get to a point where you start to be able to hold these things a little more easily than you did when you first picked them up. I I do feel like and I, I actually heard about this in church just last Sunday. Uh, the pastor was talking a little bit about how there might be a newer, better way to think about this, uh, and he compared it actually. And I like this metaphor a lot. I'd like to uh, to talk to somebody a little more about it, or maybe I should talk to my pastor. And eh, we'll see. Uh, about the process of thinking of it as instead of building and tearing down and rebuilding, thinking of it a little more as a garden, uh, something that yeah. isn't so man-made and and so. Uh, 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 foreign to like the, to your own natural growth as a person, but tending things and letting them grow and, and pruning things and rebaring them sometimes and letting it mulch and come back and compost. And, and uh, he said that process feels a little more, Natural to the human experience, instead of this it, building and unbuilding it feels, and building again that we're yeah. talking about. It
0: feels like growth. It, it feels yeah. like you know you're growing and evolving and changing as things in you know God's. Created order naturally do, you know, but I do think kind of sticking to that method, that uh, 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 metaphor of deconstruction. I I also think part of the fear that a lot of people have when it comes to conversations about deconstructions that Rhett and Link alluded to in this clip is that deconstruction always means burning it to the ground. Right?
1: Yeah. Like, exactly. But it yeah. doesn't have to be that. No, like you can it's, it can you be can, you it know it doesn't have to be.
0: Yeah, it certainly can be, but you could have grown up in a church setting and you want to kind of rejudicate some of the things that you taught that no longer mesh with your value system. You know, you can without raising the house to the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can keep the foundation. You can even keep a lot of the rooms. But maybe there are certain areas that do need to be kind of torn down to the studs and kind of reimagined and reconstructed in a way that is more, you know, intellectually honest to what you now believe. But I think, you know, the the danger is what they're alluding to. Where these conversations aren't allowed to happen, period. That's when that's when things, you know, I think get very unhealthy. So I'm glad they're having the conversation. I am too. You know, hopefully yeah. they, they they're able to, you know, come to an understanding uh, about faith that uh, is is positive. But I I think that the, the the conversation ultimately is is good for people. You know,
1: uh, I think it is too, and I think it's important to create more of an awareness around some of these. I did, because I do think there's a lot and I see this a lot in conversations around belief and non belief that treat uh the whole thing sort of as a binary, like uh, like why am I not a Christian because I don't believe in a magical man in the sky who gives me a bunch of rules so that I can go to heaven when I die, and I'm like, well, I don't believe in that either, but that isn't, yeah. but I still use the word Christian for what I do believe, so if you would let me if we could talk about this, then I think I can show you a new way of of thinking about the faith, which isn't your fault. Like you were handed yeah. this idea of Christianity that is very prominent in pop culture. That is yeah. not accurate at the end. And, and uh, I'm not saying that you have to believe what I believe, but I hope you know that there's a gradient between what you're talking about yeah. and non belief It's not a light yeah, switch that sure. you flip on and off. Yeah, so, for sure. So I, and I, conversations like what Rhett and Link are doing here are, are helpful for that. Um, Number two this week. Oh, oh, two two uh, kind of superhero stories in the, in the line of the... And I didn't put this together, Jesse. This is all on you. Well, that's right. Uh, big follow, week. Big week, man. Big week for Tyler Huckabee. Uh, so following the Watchmen, the Tulsa Race Massacre will be part of Oklahoma School's curriculum. So um, in 1921... Over Memorial Day weekend, a mob of thousands of white men, including police officers and members of the KKK, stormed on a fluent black neighborhood in Tulsa, attacking black people, looting their businesses and firebombing their homes. The incident is now known as the Tulsa Race Massacre and left between 100 and 300 people dead and over 10,000 black people homeless. It was, according to the Encyclopedia of Oklahoma History, the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. Yet, American history books have largely downplayed or scrubbed the event altogether. But the Tulsa Race Massacre has been a subject of renewed scrutiny lately, largely thanks to its depiction in the pilot episode of HBO's Watchmen series. Now, Oklahoma itself is opening up to this ugly chapter of its history and will include the event in its curriculum framework. State Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister said in a news conference, quote, What we want to ensure is that we are teaching in a grade appropriate level those facts that have not been taught in a way they should have been taught in Oklahoma. This is our history and we should know it. At a news conference, Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum explained that the decision is so important because, quote, this isn't something that you just read about in history books and think that's something that happened 100 years ago. It can never happen again. That's exactly what people in 1921 in Tulsa probably thought, too. It's a really chilling final sentence from the mayor there. Mm. I mean, good on him for recognizing the gravity of the situation. Yeah. And
0: and,
2: and
0: it's it's taken 100 years but at, yeah. at least that the the city is finally recognized or the state is finally recognized in their education curriculum and it also goes to show the power of of um, you know when people in pop culture make bold decisions to, Oh, expose man, yeah. injustices, you know. I mean, I think y- y- after that episode of the of the Watchmen premiered recently on HBO, you know the the Tulsa race massacre w- was trending on Twitter. You know, people, a lot of people for the first time were exposed to these atrocities, and, and mm-hmm. you know, were taught a very painful but important history lesson. So it, it is interesting to see how all of this culminated with something pretty meaningful, which is this event getting back in, you know, history textbooks where it belongs.
1: It's so interesting to see. <clears throat> and I think that this is, it, it's really easy for us in America to sort of point the finger at other regimes for certain types of ideologies that are passed down or or sort of revisionist history. We we see it very clearly from America. It's easy to see it when you're not living in the country itself, right? It, it's easy to... Yeah. Be judgmental in a way that is valid, but it's much harder to recognize that we here in the states have our own sort of revisionist histories that are passed down to us, and uh, and it, the only way to correct those things is for, like you said, Jesse, uh, for people who know the real history to take, make those bold decisions. And especially when, yeah. if you haven't seen the Watchmen, uh, that was a, a, that was an incredibly powerful depiction that it showed, like a just a real masterclass in, in a great yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. And I think it'd be hard to watch yeah. that and not to, and not to come away uh, moved by it. I, I had, I had, was aware of something called the Tulsa race massacre could not have told yeah. you any details about it before I looked into yeah. it after seeing that episode. Um, yeah. So that's cool. That is cool. It's a good it's a good news story from the American education system. We could use a few more of those. And number one this week, John Krasinski said he would be totally down for an office reunion. So Krasinski has gone on to become kind of an action star. He's in Jack Ryan and 13 Hours, and uh, he's also an acclaimed filmmaker. He's directing the The Quiet Place franchise. He was asked by Entertainment Weekly about the possibility of reuniting with old castmates. He said he'd absolutely love to, and he wants to see a reboot. He said, quote, The Office was absolutely everything to me. I mean, it is my beginning and my end. I'm pretty sure at the end of my career, I'll still be known for Jim. That was my first experience in Hollywood. It was the first creative family I ever had. In many ways, they will always be the most important people and that most important experience of my career. So yeah, if they did a reunion, I would absolutely love to do it. He also added this quote, "I think we should reboot it. I think it's hard obviously, with everybody's scheduled to do an office reboot, but I would be but I would so be down he said okay
0: i." I am down. I still watch The Office regularly on Netflix. It's still like my sure. background. Chandler, yeah, do doesn't. you still
3: watch episodes of The Office or are you not really into it? When I was in Austin, that's all I watched. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is it, 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 it is the comfort. It is the entertainment it's comfort comfort
3: food, comfort
0: food yeah. of our time. It it is the Netflix it is the Netflix equivalent of ordering pizza. Here's what I yeah. mean. It's like <laughs> yeah. it, it, even if you even if you already have dinner in the fridge, right? right? Even if there's a new prestige show that's just dying to be watched. If someone says, "Hey guys, you guys just kind of want to order pizza tonight." Everyone is gonna be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just do that. That's easier. Yeah. That's what people say when they're like, hey, you guys just want to watch The Office. It's the same thing. It is, it is, it is the the comfort food of of the streaming era. I think a reboot, even if it was disastrous and even if, if it didn't work at all, like the arrested development when they finally brought that back and it mm-hmm. just didn't work, it yeah. would still be fun. Yeah. And the other the other point, and because I know we I know we're deep in the show, but the other point, I appreciate that the cast largely seems to embrace the the their own roles in, in in the show, you know a lot a lot of people in Hollywood when they move on from like an iconic role that is later seen as sort of beneath them. You know, John Krasinski is now a filmmaker, action mm-hmm. hero. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell is you know uh, doing a lot of prestige acting work. Mindy Kaling is a big time star who who's you know is an incredible writer too. All of them don't act like their sitcom beginnings were beneath them. Yeah. You know, I, I, Tyler, I, I'm sure this has happened to you in interviews where a publicist says, "Hey, listen, don't mention whatever yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. this person is most famous <laughs> for." The one thing they I don't want to be. About. They, they, they do, yeah. The, uh, well, why else would I want to talk to them? You know what I mean? And I have, and I've crossed that line, and I was just like, okay, I won't. And I did, and it backfired. And I, I've seen people, I've had people get angry at me, celebrities. But like, I'm glad to see them kind of embrace it and yeah. kind of be like, you know what? The fans love it. It's a great show. Let's go ahead. If if everybody's down, they'll do it. I appreciate that attitude and I'm here for it. Yeah. Even, if it's, even if it's
3: lame, I'm here for it. I mean, I will say also, after Michael left, that, it went downhill pretty hard. Took so a I, did, I definitely it, watched a few from, a from that era and I was like, hey, I'm going to go a the, little, the, little earlier. The
0: Millie Robert California era is painful yeah, and really I, I never even watched
3: yeah, it. Really Steve is.
0: Carell will be critical. He would be absolutely critical to the yeah, reboot. If you sure. don't have Steve, you, sure. Don't sure. Don't
1: have a, you don't have a reboot. I yeah. do not. It's comfort food... Through about season five, even will, then, even then, Will
3: Ferrell on the show, like Will Ferrell is funny in mm-hmm. everything he's ever been in, except for in the, yeah. office. <laughs> it, the <laughs> only <laughs> the
0: only scene that he's. Well, I will say this though, he's funny when Steve Carell is with yeah, him, true, yeah, when because it's mm-hmm. I think it's a two episode arc or three or four, I don't know. That Steve Something Carell a did. Longer, yeah yeah it might have been four episodes but like two of the episodes you know was like one was like michael's last dundies yeah. that one worked because they were playing off each yeah, other yeah. you know but the, the thing is when michael left and we don't uh, it's funny a little a little behind the scenes before this last one was like all right guys we gotta make this quick because we're running late now i'm sitting here <laughs> ranting about it but like when they just started when they started ranting about a show that hasn't been on 10 years like when they started just interjecting cartoon characters into the show like robert california yeah. like will ferrell's character like nelly like people who would not exist in the real world the show stopped working yeah, yeah. like the reason people like this because everyone worked with someone kind of like Andy kind of yeah, like yeah. Dwight kind of like Michael but when you get like these weirdos it's like I've never met a human in my life like Robert California much less have I worked in an office with right. him why this is, makes no sense anyway that's my rant and do <laughs> it reunite reunite office cast <laughs>
1: alright that'll do it for this week's it's the
2: heartless, the heartless.
1: Stay tuned when we come back Passion's Christian Stanfield joins us listening to Raise a Hallelujah by Passion to our next guest, Passion Music's Christian Stanfill. Next week, Passion releases their new album, Roar, which was recorded live at Passion 2020. Passion is a movement founded by Louis and Shelly Giglio in 1995. Passion unites students in worship, prayer, and justice for spiritual awakening in this generation. Passion has ushered in the writing of some of the most recognizable and unforgettable worship anthems of this generation and is currently helmed by Christian Stanfill, Brett Yonker, and Melody Malone. Chris Tomlin, Matt Redman, Crowder, Christy Knuckles, Carrie Job, and others have also lent their voices alongside Passion throughout the years. I got to talk to Christian earlier this week about the album and some of its breakout songs. So um, I, I did enjoy that. I'd never talked to Christian before. He's a good dude. He's a good he, dude. I've he, talked to him a couple a times. Really, yeah. He's a really, really nice guy. We had a good conversation. And the first thing, and I didn't know this actually going in, but he told me that this that they had this big New Year's Eve Passion conference. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was the most, it was the highest attendance, any passion Conference. 65,000 people. It was, wow. it was a wow. huge conference in and they yeah. weren't planning on doing anything with the music. That was not the, the intention was not to release an album. And I wanted to know about the process of what happened or, or how that came to be. So here's what he said.
4: I don't know if the plan was always to release a record. I don't think that was in the cards, uh, pr- you know, Set in stone or anything like that. I think uh, we got through conference and realized that uh, some really special stuff had been captured, some really significant moments from con- conference, and we had it all, you know, recorded. We just basically hit record the whole time and caught everything. And when we started listening back, we thought, man, this this has really got some special sauce on it, which feels really cool. You know, I've been listening to the record and. To me, it feels almost like maybe a a little bit of a throwback passion record. Um, You know, instead of having seven or eight or nine, you know, brand new songs on a record and just trying to push out as much new music as we can, it's more about the moments that were captured at conference and more about the individual things that God did at the conference. And I think when people listen back to the record, you're going to feel that, especially if you were there, you're going to relive these moments and remember how significant they were.
0: You, you know, what's funny, Tal, is I was yesterday on the site. We posted a video of Carrie Jobe and uh, Cody Carnes mm-hmm. joining uh, Christian and the passion team. Crowder was on stage and they were performing the song Waymaker. And yeah. I, you know, me and you do a lot of hunting for kind of content and I like to throw some if, if I find some good live music, you know, uh, I like to kind of feature it on the site or share it. I was so moved by the performance of that song and just how incredible it was, um, you, you know, and you could really I feel like sense a a really something special happening in that room that night.
1: I, and I think that's why, you know, clearly they, they knew they had a good thing and yeah. you don't, you like, at some point, you just have to stop, stop fighting the, uh, <laughs> stop fighting the impulse. So there, yeah. there's, there's something cool here. And I did, I was curious, and this is something we actually talked about quite a bit during our conversation that tension that worship leaders must feel. Uh, And this is an interesting part of the process for me between you, why you want to sing songs people know you want to, you want the experience to be, to be a a really positive one for people who come to your shows, but, but uh, Christian's a songwriter, you know, he wants to create new stuff. He wants to build. And I think we've all been at that experience in a, and like a normal non-worship concert where the band's like, how about a new song? And everyone's kind of like, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll give you we'll give you one or two
0: but yeah. then wrap what's it up the, and get back the to what's the, the LCD sound <laughs> system show and play the hits like or Daft Punk was that the y- y- yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah um, and that's even more complicated when you're a worship artist because people are singing along. And if they don't know the song, then you're really throwing a wrench into the the expectations. So I wanted to ask them a little, a little bit about that. How does they walk to that? How do they navigate that tension between wanting to make sure the audience knows what's going on and can join in with what they're doing, but also giving them some new things and, and offering them... And he, he had a lot of good thoughts about that.
4: That's the tension we felt with trying to introduce a bunch of new songs. And this year, you know, Louie really led the charge. On this, and really led us to think this way. Um, he was saying, "Hey, let's really focus on leading the people, and let's uh, let's not go in trying to lead all our brand new stuff and try to get all these new songs out there. Let's let's release a few things before we get there, and then really stand in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in that moment and lead the people. And I really, you know, I'm so grateful to Louis for. Leading us that way, because uh, i I think all of us would agree that's that's what happened uh, at conference this year. Obviously, there's a benefit to putting out a bunch of new music, especially like you said, being a worship band, being anchored in a church. We want to put out music that's helpful for the church and useful for people to sing. And so we definitely want to do that. and so we we try to distill it down to these these new songs that we were already singing at our church that felt like, well, these are already, they've already been super helpful for us. Let's put these out there and then we can continue to release new music. Maybe as this year goes on.
0: Yeah, it is cool to see how that community there really fosters creativity, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. And, uh, and he went on to say, and I wanted to end on this one, uh, that there is sort of this. And I think that, that it was this way for a while where kind of all worship music sounded a little bit like, uh like pop era u two and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and, and, and it, no' it just, i'm not I'm not pointing fingers at any yeah. one band or anything like that. Yeah. it was just it was the genre people expected, and it was the one everybody knew how to play, and that was sort of the expectation of what happened when he went into a church This is what it's going to sound like either you two or Mumford and Sons. And he was really actually very (laughs) encouraged and very excited about the fact that that's kind of changing, that there's a new that uh, he, and he referenced a few of his colleagues, both at places like uh, United and young and free who are pushing the genre forward, both sonically and lyrically to what, can be considered a worship song in 2020. And he was really, really excited about that. Here are his his thoughts about what could be next for the genre as a
4: whole. Personally, I think we're in a really exciting time creatively in the church. You know, specifically, uh, just listening to Young and Free's new song, Best Friends. I don't know if you've heard that song but it is such a fresh, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I, I heard it and, and just the language in it is very conversational at times, but at, you, so many people can resonate with that chorus. That uh, we're sick of pretending we want the real thing. Like, come on, like that. It's so cool that you. we're in a day now where you can put that in a worship song. Mm-hmm. We're already talking about singing that song with our students at our church you know, a few years ago, I don't know, I don't know if we, if that could have happened. You know, it, it seemed like songs, you know, sonically, lyrically, uh, contextually kind of had to be more down the middle for churches to grab it. But I, I really feel that, uh, we're in a good time where creativity and thinking outside of what we would normally think about is, while still, while still holding on to truth, you know, cause that's that's the most important thing. And like you said, you know, this is, there's, there are truths that we can't let go of and we can't abandon, you know, Joel Houston, I think is pushing, pushing all of us worship songwriters out into new territory uh, with the lyrics that he's writing and the music that United is creating. And so I think we're in a really exciting time, you know, creatively, in the church you know it might be a few years before it's embraced you know widely but i think there is a new wind blowing that's uh, really exciting
0: well i you know uh i don't want to give too much away tyler but if people like hillsong young and Free's best friends which which he referenced there and we i think we played on the podcast last
1: week we did play it yeah last week
0: i i I don't want to give too much away but you may have just had a conversation with them about that song which listeners can (laughs) hear we'll hear very soon
1: who can keep it straight? Yeah. We talked to so many people. I, <laughs> I can't keep track of everybody I talked to. And I, and, is yeah.
0: and then I talked to Steve Carell and I was like, I'm just going to call you Michael Scott for the whole interview. And he freaked out. <laughs> I mean, freaked out. He loved it.
1: He loved it. <laughs> that was Passion Music's Christian Uh, Next up, an update on my youth pastor transformation. I don't know
2: when you got taller. See our reflection in
1: That was "Garden Song" by Phoebe Bridgers. Okay, Jesse, you—you you, you you caught this me off here. guard. Yeah, I, you, yeah, you caught me off well, guard. I, we, I, we said
0: on the Tuesday show. That we would give some manner of update about Tyler's youth pastor makeover. So we had Brian Duss on from World Vision, and and I think he proposed potentially using this other opportunity, to, you know, because we're like, okay, we talked about it on the pod a few weeks ago how willing people would be to donate to a good cause if Tyler underwent a youth pastor makeover. So I kind of floated that out there and I wanted to see, I just wanted to see if anybody said anything. We had someone on, on Tuesday who works at a charity organization and there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm about this stunt in the nonprofit sector right now, Tyler <laughs> <It is laughs> spreading like wildfire. I'm going to read a couple things that our listeners have said to try to encourage you to do this, Tyler. I can't make you, uh-huh. no one can make Make you you know mm-hmm. no one can make you shave a soul patch frost those tips and put on uh that uh, <laughs> uh, acquire the fire oh <laughs> tea but sarah said um this is an outfit piece, but to complete the youth pastor vibe, Tyler should go around fist bumping or high fiving everyone uh, uh, in any place as a form of form of greeting. I should I should clarify, we're talking about a '90s youth pastor makeover. I you know today's yes. youth pastors, I think they're a little too cool. We're talking '90s youth pastors before mm-hmm. all youth pastors became hipsters, right? And yeah. did and yeah. t- took office hours at like a, an artisan coffee shop, right? Like yeah. that's kind of the
1: youth pastor scene <laughs> we're now. Talk, we're talking like we're talking the Cargo shorts and uh, and like (laughs) and like bigger T shirts (laughs) with some sort of like off brand Christianized logo of like. That's tucked into the
0: cargo shorts or jean shorts with a braided
1: belt. You guys get the idea.
0: <laughs> when when youth passers look more like Guy Fieri than they did, like it's uh, Guy Fieri. It's basically
1: Guy Fieri vibes.
0: Yeah, it, it, you know, like now I feel like most uh, uh, youth passers look like extras on Portlandia. They used to look like Guy Fieri. Okay, so that's the maker we're going to go. Allison said. Uh, um, uh, you, that she would totally throw some coin over. Uh, Rodrigo said he would volunteer to support Tyler Huckabee uh, in this, especially if you get wheel, weird facial hair. He just wants to know how he can support. Lena actually even shared the CDC's new guidelines <laughs> about beards and the coronavirus and, you know, how how uh, much of, of a risk having facial hair is uh, when it comes to uh, harboring germs. So you have that handy guy too, Tyler all that to say is there there's a lot of enthusiasm out there, there and is. I think I think this is something you need to continue to consider and we need to make this happen
1: all right so let's put let, let's put Jesse let's put our heads together I'll fill out let's let's, uh, let, let's put together we need we're, we're gonna need a few things we're going to need like, I think some sort of tiered situation okay. <laughs> you know for okay. like for like what what different levels of fundraising can accomplish Okay okay that's all
0: okay. right. that's what that's what listeners' missions are. If they want to see this happen, your mission right now is to is to go on Twitter, hit us up at relevant podcasts, and tell us what the tiers are, right so yeah. if if we raise a thousand dollars, you know right. obviously at that point, Tyler shaves the salt. In the soul patch, if we raise <laughs> 2000, those tips get I don't know. I don't know if at what point tips are getting frosted. Go on Twitter. Tell us where the tears we want. We really want to raise some money for some for a good cause. So let us know uh-huh. what you think they should be. And we're going to we're going to figure out a way to make this thing happen.
1: All right. That sounds good. Oh, and there was one <laughs> real oh. quick response. We did have one person. One person in response to Jesse I's conversation about uh, worship leaders who play the drums from the back, who, who, co- who uh-huh. come up from behind, who aren't up front with a guitar, <laughs> but they're behind the plexiglass cage. I've they're, never they're, seen they're that. That's there, what we're talking about. N- n- none of us
3: have ever seen There are some bands that that's the case, but I've, never, well, I've yeah. never seen that with worship leading,
0: though. Well, that's what we're... Because we talked about Phil Collins last week. Yeah. Yeah. Phil and Phil then we Cole. talked yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. Under yeah. Oath, like Aaron Gillespie used to sing from drums. But we have never... It's not that churches aren't willing to invest than drums okay they they, yeah. they erect ridiculous I, well that's indoor I, I snow like
3: globes acoustically speaking because of the enclosed <laughs> little you know soundproofing room it's kind of impossible to have a vocal mic because it's just going to be I picking up so. all it the drums you know that, what I mean yeah. but it's a
0: net yeah. benefit because those stupid drum cages are are pointless Chandler, general how many concerts <laughs> have you been to in your life let's just say it's that's over 500 lot. let's say it's uh-huh. over 500 sure. Yeah, yeah. In all size rooms, right? Yes. uh huh. How many church services have you been to? More, Let's say more. hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. In all size rooms. Okay. Have uh-huh. you ever been to a concert once? Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a, good, uh, that's someone a good who, question.
0: But you put on by people who professionally uh-huh. make sound that people pay to come here. Yeah. Have you ever been to a concert one time at any size room and seen a gigantic plexi draft drum cage? No, it's preposterous. They are pointless. They are not needed. Go to any (laughs) club or bar in America and go to a live show. And you're like, this sounds perfectly fine without it. it, Like this insane looking like dry, you know, terrarium (laughs) on stage. It's pointless and dumb. it's a hexagonal (laughs) terrarium. Just get rid of it. And then. Let the drummer sing. Let the drummer lead another, worship.
3: Another another thing that they do at churches that I've never seen in a live venue is turn guitar amps around so that they're not bl- like pointed toward the, the crowd and then mic. would Have you ever seen that? Yes, uh-huh. I, I, I have. Ch- churches. That's kind think of the same churches. idea, but for a guitar player, where Church? they don't want they don't want to be too loud, but they want to have control <laughs> and be able to mic it.
0: Well, okay. Here's here's this is another observation. You guys know this is true. You guys know it's true the no one on this planet takes their job more seriously than a church sound guy. No one like you can have, you can have a CDC scientist, you know, you can have a rocket engineer that has the lives of like astronauts in their hands. No one's taking their job more serious than a church sound guy. The more tape, and measure it like rolls of tape and little flashlights and things yeah. that they have on their belt, the more you the the greater the distance you better stay away from that sound right. booth on Sunday morning. Hey 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 guys out of there out of there
3: ah uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh.
0: You know, like it, it's it's perfectly like the sanctuary is perfectly well lit, and they use a tiny flashlight to look at every little thing. On you know, it's like, dude, it's daylight outside, and all the lights are on. I don't think we need the little flashlight to look at the knobs. Like, I can tell you what the the knobs you, you have it turned to six. Okay, yeah, do you need yeah. the little flash? Like, they got flashlights in their mouths. They're undoing tape. They're taping random things. There's like the other thing too is like church show guys also love. Like putting pieces of like blue tape on stuff and then writing on the blue tape with a Sharpie, you know, (laughs) like keep off or, or this way up or like, dude, I know that like the worship leader, the mic stands right there. They don't need a, a big X on the stage to tell them where to stand. They do this every week. You just take your job way too seriously.
1: They also have they also have you you go into church with a you don't have tame and Paula on stage or anything. I'm not trying to besmirch those, <laughs> the, the, your local the teen worship group, the 19 year old who's who's working on the guitar this morning for how great is our God. But they have the console back there. It looks like something from the from Blade Runner 2049. It is it is for a for a church of 200 people. It is five feet across. I don't know how I don't know what the plan is after the service, but it's it's glowing. Going. there's a, it's like shiny. there's buttons on there that I could not even begin to tell you the purpose of and who knows how the church like at the opening budget was like okay we're gonna give well the the, the worship band will be volunteers uh, the, the <laughs> pastor the the children's church will volunteers uh, we'll have to have everybody set up their own chair pick up their own chairs at the end of the day because we gotta get this the gym cleared out for basketball uh, and then let's say oh we'll go um, $16,000 for the
0: <laughs> is this the one they have at madison square garden
1: is this the one
0: is this the soundboard they have you know like it, it costs more than anything in the church the other thing about church sound guys i've never seen one walk at a normal pace if, if it's sunday morning and their and their feet are moving they aren't running but they're almost running like everything they're attending to is almost an emergency you know like it, it, it could be like the guest speaker you know is is taking a half a second too long to turn on their wireless mic and that sound guy is sprinting across the sanctuary <laughs> and he pulls out his little flashlight and he like switches on the button and then runs back to the booth these guys operate at a different level i think they they run it they ran out of stuff to do and they're like all right well i guess we'll just make gigantic drum cages that that are used nowhere else on earth by no other musician in history anyway brian wrote this is from a listener. I have led worship <laughs> from an actual drum kit a number of times. I was on staff as a worship leader for about two years before I learned to play guitar. They hired him as a worship leader knowing he was a singing drummer. That church is awesome. You should never learn guitar, Brian. Wow, that's your you, He awesome. said he'll find a picture. Oh man, he should, please do provide a picture, Brian. That's great. That's
1: that's, great. that's very exciting to me because I do I do want to see this and I'm I'm impressed and surprised and I, and I don't quite believe it. But but uh, Brian, if you're a man of your word. I want, to, I want to see that video because I would be... That sounds very difficult, especially when you're trying to do the slower songs. Yeah. Yeah. Really you know, like did. slowed down numbers. that just well, have a well, light it, Especially
0: the songs where it's mainly just cymbal work like...
2: Yeah. <laughs> it <swells> and you <laughs> still, he's, and you're you're still, still singing. singing back there. You're still singing. Every now and then the triangle
1: <laughs> or the cymbals again.
2: <laughs>
0: you know those words? They just occasionally like it's it's not really a song, it's just like weird tones coming from the keyboard, and occasionally a drummer would just go on the floor top and go. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, wow, I gotta get the vibes. OK, one last question before I okay. stop ranting okay. and then I'll stop ranting about church sound guys. OK, what percentage chance if you are a Christian, OK, and you wear your cell phone on a belt clip, what percentage uh-huh. chance that you have volunteered to be on the sound team? at a church. I'd say 90%. One, if, you, mm-hmm. if you, if you, have, if <laughs> you were, tell Absolutely. me
2: I'm wrong. You're, you're
1: auditioning. You're auditioning. You're trying to get the pastor's attention to be like, oh, that guy should be oh, on he he got crazy. a cell
0: phone belt clip. I mean, he's like, it's got the thing in a hole. He probably gets a, <laughs> probably gets a lot of important calls. Why else would you have it on a belt
3: clip? <laughs> <laughs> Either that or church security. I feel like, I feel like that person. Yeah, some you you, you want
0: some, of it. you want some authority. Basically, yeah. If you have a cell phone belt clip, <laughs> you want authority. That's just how it is. Yeah. Like whether yeah. you want to be the And the other thing about sound guys is they are the only person in the church who is allowed to always be rude, you know, like, Hey, can I get that up a little in a second? (laughs) <laughs> don't touch it you know they're the only guy in the whole church that you know the fruit of the spirit don't apply to him gentleness <laughs> kindness self-control if you're the sound guy don't worry about those fruits okay and they and they talk watch about the it afterwards cord! The-
1: watch the cord <laughs> they talk about it in the meetings like you know steve he, he's his own guy but, but he does good work yeah. Crisp, <laughs> he's passionate. Crisp, crisp toe, Dulcet, he's passionate. <laughs> you, you see him like
0: winding cables and he's given like a death stare to the guitar player who like, you know, he, he plugged the wrong one in. Yeah. I told it's the red. It's the red. <laughs> it's like, Steve, it's, we have an hour to the service. It's not yeah, red cable. I don't, you know what? I'm going to go get the blue tape. I'm going to make a note on a Sharpie and tape it right to the stage. So you see it, you know? <laughs> so we got it, Steve, your little notes are everywhere.
1: I remember being this is going long now, but we're here. I was at a, I was helping uh volunteering, of course, at a conference that uh this is back when he's no longer with us, but Brendan Manning was speaking there at this conference. Oh, yeah, and yeah. He was he was very old at the time, very elderly guy and he was given and it was just we we're talking about the guy who ran sound was of course uh it, it, he and people talked about him too like oh he's run sound for everybody yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> apple keynote yeah. stuff type stuff. you like before
0: he was, <laughs> he was saved he he ran <laughs> down at a Journey concert once. Okay, so
1: Kevin.
2: you name it, and it was
1: yeah. he like. So he took this he took this conference extremely seriously. Spent all day, all day long. Like you wake up, he's already in there, just running running cables back and forth, walking around, like snapping, doing the thing where he's yeah. testing it all out. Yeah. So he gives Brendan Manning uh, a a wireless mic that is that that clips to his to his shirt. Yeah. It, Brendan Manning, very famously kind of an aesthetic, doesn't own a lot. I'm sure this was this cost more than his entire wardrobe, possibly all of his possessions (laughs) combined. (laughs) And he, Brendan Manning, wanted to play a song for us that he only had. And this was not cleared with anybody. Uh, He went for when he spoke that evening, wanted to play a song that he only had on an old tape recorder, an old cassette tape. He put the cassette in the tape player, set it down on his podium, pulled off his mic and. Put it on top of the on the, the tape player and just pressed play, and I looked over and you know in an airplane when they're trying to land the plane and he's dripping sweat yeah, off of yeah. his like, he's like <laughs> that is what I saw from the soundboard. <laughs> that like just like he, he had just been hosed down. <laughs> so he, the, he, the, the, yeah. the mic's
2: not supposed to be handled
1: like that. That's all I'm saying. It's not supposed to be handled like that. You're not supposed to touch it there. It's got a filter on it
2: do not oh! well, why weird. is
0: every church sound everything. guy you know the Dwight Schrute of their office you know what I mean <laughs> it's really it is a proper way to touch it the microphone and that is the improper way <laughs> all
1: right we gotta wrap it up here before we're on, before we're already <laughs> we've already gone well over thanks for sticking with us everybody and thanks to passion for joining us roar comes out next week March 6th the album's called roar also thanks to better help for sponsoring us go to BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com/relevant. Fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. It's BetterHelp.com/relevant. slash Also, hey, as long as you're on our Apple Podcast page, subscribe to Relevant Daily. That's where we bring you Monday through Friday the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture every single workday. With that, we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chandler String. I'm Jesse Carey. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Tuesday.
0: Yeah,
2: guys, out of there, out of there, ah, 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 Relevant Podcast Network.